What's happening is our defenses for security have gotten very isolated and the attacks have gotten very, very coordinated. Yeah. And it should be the other way around. How many people are not connected in the world? Three billion out of eight billion. So a billion are totally unconnected, two billion are underserved. The biggest thing that people have underestimated about AI Hey everyone, it's David Bumble coming to you from Cisco Live with two very, very special guests. Jonathan, G2, welcome. Thank you for having us. Great to be here. It's great to, yeah, great to talk to you about these exciting announcements that you've made. But before we get to that, CCIE, is that right? Uh, yes, 2560, not reserted. But, but the point I'm making is that you, you've been down this road, right? very technical on networking. You also wrote a book. Uh, I did. I co-authored a book called Voice Over IP Fundamentals. It is great for teaching you about the fundamentals of Voice Over IP and it actually also cures insomnia. <laughs> cures insomnia. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> when I was doing research for this interview, what I really liked about that is, I mean, showing my age here, the world, I believe, changed with, with Voice Over IP. And Cisco, we're obviously on the forefront of that. And I believe something big's happening. So. For people who haven't seen the announcements, perhaps you can tell us what's happening with the networking and you know why is it, why is it so exciting? Yeah, so there is uh, a lot of exciting things in networking happening right now, and I'll give you a few things. First of all, our customers' lives are getting so much more complicated. Yep. If you go into the Wayback Machine when we had applications running on a server and then they went virtual and then you're not sure which server they were on and yep. then and then we went to public cloud and now they're in containerization and yep. that's not including now the fact that people can work from home or the office. So just our, the infrastructure itself is getting more complex because of way software is written has fundamentally changed and that is complicated networking as well. So how do you know where the applications are if there's a problem is it my Wi-Fi connection? Yeah. Is it the service provider? What's actually going on? And so what we wanted to do and what we've been getting requested is like, just make this simple for me. I yeah. just want the outcome of the connectivity to be there, to happen. And if something bad happens, tell me where, what, and how I fix it. So this vision that we're painting is what we're calling the Cisco Networking Cloud, okay. which is really an, a vision for having consistency between on-premise management, unified experience, with the cloud-based management as well. And we think most people, most businesses are gonna to move towards cloud-based management. We're always going to have on-premise management for regulatory reasons. There obviously are government agencies that really need to have on-premise networks, but we wanna have a, a consistency of a user experience across each of those various aspects. I've heard this term quite a few times, uh, platform. Is that what we're talking about? We're talking about a platform. And uh, so glad you called that out. The, the platform, and this is why G2's team and my team work really closely with common UI, UX, whether you're provisioning security or whether you're provisioning network. You know, if, if it's connected, it needs to be protected. And yeah. We want to make sure that you have consistency of experience, consistent policy across each of your various technology domains. I mean, it's, it's life's called very connected to you right now. <laughs> you're, you're, I'm using the same lines you are, so that's great. So we've got to talk about security as well, because that's like a major thing. We've got networking getting complex. I mean, the old, old days, I'm showing my age again, when things were a lot more simple. Networking is complex, but security landscape is, I, I've heard you say this, there's no single company, is that right, that has large market share? Yes, you know, I used to use this stat which I was corrected about today, which is wrong. So I used to say there's 3,500 vendors in this market. Yeah, that's the one I heard, yeah. Right, and no one um, has any kind of dominant market share. Um, we actually did some fact checking. It's 15,200 vendors oh, wow. in the market. 
no one has any dominant market share. And on average, people have between 50 to 70 products in every company. Um, and when you start thinking about what the issues are, it's like that's 50 to 70 different policy engines. That's 50 to 70 different cracks in the system. That's 50 to 70 different places where contention can happen in policy. And so, you know, what's happening is our defenses for security have gotten very isolated and the attacks have gotten very, very coordinated. Yeah. And it should be the other way around. You should actually break down the attack and make sure that the defenses are coordinated. And that can only happen if you actually have a platform. So like Jonathan has the Cisco networking cloud, we've, I, we actually announced last year the Cisco security cloud, and we are making some meaningful kind of strides forward over here in our announcements we're making around what we're doing with AI, what we're doing with you know, secure access. And the experience really matters in security. Efficacy really matters in security. And economics really matter in security. Yeah, and we'll make sure that we we address all those three. So, I mean, when you talk about a, a, a like a networking cloud platform, is is that some is is it something that's hosted in the cloud that manages all the different types of network devices, or how do, how does it like what, what is it in in practice? Yeah, so it's a it's a cloud management platform. So the Cisco networking cloud is not only the cloud management platform, but it's also the on-premise management platform. Uh, we have customers who want our cloud first. We have customers who are on-premise focused. We have many who are hybrid, yeah. which means they want to run on-prem, but they want to get the attributes of get, having access to unlimited data and what's happening across the internet and their SaaS applications. And so you need to have some set of telemetry or at least a tether back to the cloud, so to speak. Yeah. But really it's about unified experiences and driving those outcomes. And so you've started to see us pull our various assets together. For example, back at Cisco Live, EMEA, which happened back in February, we brought our application dynamics and our Meraki platforms and we brought those together yeah. so it's yeah. easy to understand. And you're gonna see how we're gonna to continue to connect these different platforms that we have and create those unified experiences. But the networking portion is what we're calling the cloud networking or the, the Cisco networking cloud, which is our, our vision for how all these things come together. So is it gonna, it's, it's gonna make my management job a lot easier rather than like going back a bit, the console into a device, SSH into a device, I'm managing them through a single uh, device or cloud, right? Yeah, you shouldn't have to SSH to anything. <laughs> now, there's different kinds I'm of showing, infrastructure. I'm showing how old I am, yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't have to SSH to that. Now, of course, there are scenarios where we have people who would like to get in and they would like to troubleshoot. So yep. our Meraki cloud, as, as an example, which has got millions of, of devices uh, out in the infrastructure today running networks around the globe. Um, one of the biggest requests that we have from them is like, hey, can I just, from the Meraki dashboard, just get a prompt and do a few show commands yeah. so I can troubleshoot faster or at least understand in case, in case I, I just feel better, yeah. quite frankly. And so we actually, one of the announcements that we've made is that you actually can go and do that now. So you can get the best of, uh, of the Meraki cloud dashboard. But if you would like to, go in there for whatever reason and do a show ARP cache, then, then <laughs> yeah. you can knock yourself out and, and go do that now, which I think was gonna make people feel better about, just more comfortable about moving to the cloud. And I mean, there was a big driver a few years ago about automation, um, perhaps using Python or other tools Ansible to automate. This is taking it a step further, right? Well, I think there's always going to be people and users who have custom environments. Yeah. I think the hyperscalers are great examples of that, where they're going to have their own custom automation stacks and tools that they use. And so you need to have consistency coming northbound off of the devices. And so we subscribe to all of all of those different models, whether you're using Yang or NetConf or whatever you're using northbound. Yeah. And, and we have put a lot of investment in that area, but the majority, the number of customers 
really want a simplified experience. And, and having a UI that if I have a, a retail branch here and I set up another retail branch, it's gonna assume you want the same SSIDs. It's gonna assume that you want it to look like the other one, and it's just going to configure it all for you. And if you need to change it, you can go through and, and change it that way. So I'm glad you used the word simplicity because this is something I've heard you mention before about security is so complex. It's, it's really the, you know, if you think about the, um, complexity with security. So there's two dimensions of complexity and security. One is for the users. One of the most insecure systems you can build is a really secure system that's really hard to use because no one uses it and people do an end around. Right? Pause, pause so, word on a piece of paper. Exactly. And so what we have to do is make sure that we make it really easy for the user. And making it really easy for the user in security, in the land of security, is building the most boring demos. Because you shouldn't have much to demo because you just, you connect, you get to work. And security is happening in the background, it's plumbing. On the IT side and the administration side, the practitioners, uh, it's super complicated to go out and manage policies, to set rules. If you, I mean, if you think about a firewall set of policies and rules, like that, that we, we, uh, we were just talking about this in, the, in, in another session. We were doing this. About, there's a customer who has 6,200,000 rules. 6 million. In the, in the firewall. It's wow. just, it's, um, at some point in time, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. No. And so what we have to do is make sure that the, um, the experience on how you manage those gets to be radically simplified, which you can't do if you've got you know hundreds of products in your your environment. So what we try to do is we simplify that, and when you simplify it, experience in my mind is a choice. Every pixel we as vendors choose to put on a screen is an active choice. Yeah, we should just do it carefully. You know, we shouldn't just we, we shouldn't do it haphazardly or as a happenstance or it just happened. And when you do it right, I think it it fundamentally um, changes lives for the better. Um, now, here's here's a thing to think about, especially with generative AI. I think experiences will get completely altered. So we are in the fourth major revolution of user experience evolution. So the first one was command line. Uh, then that got added on with graphical user interface. And all of these are additive. Then that got added on with touch as a phase three. And now we're in the prompt interface era. And the prompt interface actually fusing with graphical user interface will allow us to go out and say, with natural language, I can provide some kind of desire for the computer to do something, the computer then can come back and converse with me and reason with me, give me a set of options. And now I have an augmented aid or assistant who's helping me through a task, which then allows me to make my job simpler. Everyone has an assistant and we're able to go out and get the job done in a much more effective way. But the design point that we're working with is we don't want to automate away jobs. We want to augment them with an assistant for AI. And so you will see a lot of announcements that we made in this, at this event where you know, we have a policy assistant so that you can actually have policies being created through natural language. We have a SOC assistant so that if you have a breach, um, you could be notified by uh, an AI bot saying, hey, there's a breach, what do you want me to do about it? You actually converse with it. Maybe there's a, um, there's a certain set of responses and remediations that need to be put in place. And once those are put in place, you're off to the races, you go ahead and deploy them. Those are meaningful step function changes and in innovation that can happen as a result of AI and incorporating that into the entire platform. And so there's two things. In order to have a great experience, you can't have a fragmented infrastructure. You have to have a platform. Yep. And then you have to have telemetry that correlates with each other. So you know, hey, there's something happening over here in the attack kill chain and the email side. There's something happening on my device where a process got kickstarted in PowerShell. I need to make sure that those two things get correlated to know that this is actually a breach because what you'll start to see happen is the, the difference between legitimate set of activities 
and a breach will get harder and harder to decipher yeah, exactly, yeah. in this world. And so we have to make sure that we actually get um, uh, you know, more creative around how you use telemetry, handle security events at machine scale rather than human scale, and really kind of solve problems in an elegant way from a user experience perspective. Are there two platforms? Is it networking and security, or is it one combined platform? The highly interoperated platform. So there's, there's a platform for networking that does things for networking that then works very closely the platform for security. And if you happen to be in Meraki and you're going out and setting a policy, and you want to set a policy in Umbrella, you can just right from there, click on a button and you can actually start setting policies in Umbrella. So they'll be fully integrated. So the way we talk about this is they're loosely coupled, tightly integrated. Yeah, because I mean the concern for, for, I think for a lot of my audience who are watching is, I have to learn TCP IP, now I have to learn Python, now I have to learn AI, now I have to learn this, that and the other. It's just so much overwhelming stuff to learn. So it sounds like this is trying to simplify it as much as possible for the practitioners, it, yeah. right? Yeah, the simplification is, is definitely there. And that, I would say that's a big theme of, yeah. of the show across both of our, our respective domains. And our domains are intricately connected. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, when you, when you think about the simplicity of trying to find a specific problem, this is one of the reasons why three years ago we acquired Thousand Eyes. Yeah. Uh, and from there, we have put a lot of investment into ensuring that they're integrated into the networking portfolio to make it easy to deploy agents. Uh, we've announced uh, on the main stage today that there's an ability to go and integrate with AWS. So you can always see what's happening across the global internet with what's happening with BGP. You now can see deeply into AWS. And so if there's a specific problem, you can see it, you can mediate, you can pick a different path going out at AWS. But you also can see agents that are being deployed now in WebEx devices uh, and agents that are being deployed inside of Meraki devices as well. So you have now another million plus devices you can deploy agents on to really understand what's happening intimately in your own business across the global internet, across SaaS applications, and now inside of the AWS infrastructure. And it will tell you exactly where those problems are and, and let you know what you need to solve it. And then also, we have our WAN Insights tool that is built upon similar types of AI engines that enables you to predict these things and gives you suggestions on how to change your, your topology so that you don't experience those, those types of issues in the future. You know, one of the things I'll say is, what well, we want to make sure that we don't do at Cisco, like many companies sometimes make the mistake of doing is shipping their org chart. And so the way that we think about it is we're going to ship solutions to use cases by delivering an integrated platform. We're not going to ship our org chart. So, so what does that mean? In, practicality. Thousand Eyes is something that, you know, yes, you have to deliver a great experience, but sometimes that experience isn't going to work out because something went wrong. Sure. Well, you should be able to then detect what went wrong, specifically pinpoint where that issue was, and then be able to resolve that issue. And so when we think about having a great experience for secure access that we, we just launched, that's integrated in Thousand Eyes, but Thousand Eyes is actually part of our client. And you don't even have to think about it. If the experience is bad, you would know exactly where, is it the Wi-Fi? Is it, uh, is it the application? Um, you know, is it something else? Is it your ISP provider? And then be able to hone in over there and solve that problem. And I think that power of that breadth of yeah. the portfolio is really valuable if done in the right way when you actually fully integrate these things together, which is what we've been working on for the past 18 to 24 months. And now they're starting to 
actually you're, you're starting to see the results of that come out. Yeah, I mean, the problem with security, like you said, what, 18,000? Uh, not, not the 3,000? 15. 15,000, yeah. sorry. It'll be 18 by next week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you learn all that? I mean, you need a company that can do everything. And I think that's the power of Cisco, right? Because you're right. doing networking, security, all these other things. So you're simplifying it by combining all of these pieces together. Simplifying and you're trying to make sure that the telemetry is correlated. Yeah. So if you think about a typical attack chain, how does it start? It starts on email. You get an email from a Nigerian prince that says, click on this link and I'll be able to give you $10 million. Except you click on that link. Except it's AI now, so it's, it's even it's, worse, right? Right, and so what happens is you, you start from email, it goes to a website yeah. that didn't exist two hours ago. Yep. From there, download some kind of malware onto your device and spawn some process or PowerShell within your, 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 your device and then it moves laterally. Most of the defenses for each one of those, those control points, email, web, endpoint, and network have been individual point solutions. Yeah. What we are now able to do is say, we've got native telemetry across all of those, and we take telemetry from third party and ingest it into our system, and then correlate that telemetry so that we are able to not only go out and detect a breach, but detect it at a much higher resolution than someone else can, and then not just detect it, but respond and remediate that as, as quickly as possible. A lot of the people who watch my channel are younger than, say, us. You guys are 21, but I mean, I'm a bit... Uh, Enjoy it. <laughs> Youth yeah. goes away really fast. <laughs> but the, they always ask two, two big things, and AI will be one of them. It's like AI is going to kill our jobs. Uh, is it even worth getting into this? And then the other one is like, they wanted me to ask you the vision. I'm starting out or I'm trying to get into Cisco networking or security. Where's it going? Where's the world going? So perhaps you can both tackle that. Well, I, I will start off with, it's a great time to get into, into networking and security. I think they, they go hand in hand uh, with each other. The, uh, I'll give you a few stats to, to show you that in my opinion, uh, I started at Cisco in 95 in tech and, and went from there. And um, we, like, we dreamed of the day when IP would be the predominant yeah. mode of communication. Well, we we're definitely there. But when I still think we're at the beginning of connectivity, Okay. And the reason why I say that, I'll give you two examples. We have a communications management platform uh, that, that we call Control Center. It has over 200 million mobile connected things connected to it that go across the radio network. It could be AT&T or any of our, our 60 plus carrier partners around the world. Um, so a good chunk of the world's connected car connect into, uh, into our platform. We're kind of a behind the scenes. It's, it's not extremely well known. Um, less than 10% of all cars are connected. And, and by 2030, 100% of all cars are connected. Depending upon how you count, it can be anywhere from 60 to 75 million cars sold a year. 2023, seven years from now. Yeah. Just for cars, right? We're looking at, at north of, of a billion things that are going to need to be connected. And that's just cars. That doesn't include smart intersections, smart meters, those little scooters you have to pay for to zoom around cities mm -hmm. that you feel you know, like slightly dangerous. There's so much more that needs to be connected, healthcare, and every single industry needs to be digitalized. And the, the, uh, it's just gonna get more complicated. And so the opportunity for people who are coming and learning about these things is that you can help play a critical role in driving the next phase of, quite frankly, the global growth of, of the planet. Just exciting. Look, I think I think it's a uh, it's a gift to be early in career at this stage of humanity um, because there's so much that actually make it makes it easy for us to learn quickly. Yeah, 
But historically, I'd say well, a couple pieces of advice I'd give to the folks that are younger in, 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 the, in the early in career generation is, is historically, when I was growing up, knowledge was coveted. It was yes. like you, yeah. you needed to know in order to be special. I don't think knowledge is going to be as coveted. I think what's going to be as more coveted is the ability to ask the right questions so that you can have access to that knowledge at your fingertips. But the dexterity with which you ask questions will really matter. And that will require that the new generation coming in will have to be more curious and more thoughtful about the kind of questions they ask of not just each other, but also of machines, because those things will start to fuse over time. And I think it'll be a very, very interesting time. And by the way, the question on will my job go away? You can bank on it that if you're 21, uh, there will be decades you'll work on something that in the subsequent decades you might, no one might do. And that's something that you just have to get used to and just learn the new thing that's there. Um, but I do believe in the ingenuity of humans where I think, I, I don't think there'll be a time when all jobs will go away for everyone. I think you'll have new jobs and there'll be a lot of displacement. That displacement will cause some pain. And I think if the more you are skilled at going out and learning new, um, new, new talents and new, new abilities, you'll be able to just stay relevant. But the quest for relevance will be harder for the next generation than it was for us. And because the half-life of, um, of jobs, of, um, of, of so many things is actually shortening quite a bit. So if I was starting now, what would you, or you were starting again, what would you study? Any tips for that? Because that, I get this all the time from the audience. What should I learn? What should I study? Any I mean, advice AI for that? is not a bad place to start. Yep. I think security is actually, anything that is critical infrastructure for the world that doesn't go out of vogue and out of style are good areas to be in. You know, between the two of us, we've got networking, security, and connect and connectivity and collaboration. Those are three you can't go wrong in. Like it's like people are going to want to communicate with each other a hundred years from today. People are going to want to make sure that they're safe and secure a hundred years from today. People are going to want to connect um, to different people in different parts of the world a hundred years from today. That's not going to change. So pick the things where the core foundational assumptions don't change, rather than things that keep changing. Yeah, I'm sure you've got a global audience. Um... And so this may not resonate, but if uh, you look at why California grew so fast, you had this thing called the gold rush, yeah. uh, and they found gold, and then you know a lot of people moved in a very short period of time. But the people who actually made money were the ones who provided the, the infrastructure, yeah. the people who provided the tools, Levi's jeans, right? Those are the people who had sustained uh, ability to, to be in business. And when you think of there's always going to be new applications. There's always going to be new workloads. There's always going to be new ways of reaching the consumer and, and delivering new services. But you're always going to need infrastructure. Always. Yeah, and it sounds like with cars and everything, it's just going to be more so. And I mean, how many people are not connected in the world? Three billion Three out of eight billion. So a billion are totally unconnected. Two billion are underserved, which means they don't have enough connectivity to actually participate in the digital economy. So you're, you're talking about three-eighths of the planet is currently in that state. And if you don't think that connectivity is a human right and you're just a, you know, a, a money-grubbing capitalist, it's good for business too. So if you were to connect <laughs> all of those people, you would add $37 trillion to the global GDP. That's amazing. How is AI or ML changing the way that we do things? You've mentioned some of that already, but have you got any more like visionary stuff or like tips? Yeah, I mean, look, we are, we've been investing massively in AI for the past several years. And um, 
you know, the big hype around AI right now is around generative AI. I think it was a seminal moment for AI. I think on November 30th, you know, the world changed with AI because of, uh, and for good reason, because if you think about humans, one of the key things to keep in mind is language is a big reason why we are as successful a species as we are. Yeah. And when machines can understand and process language and reason with it, there's profound implications to that that, that, that are very consequential. But if you think about what we've done with AI prior to that, and then I'll talk about um, you know, generative AI for a second, is um, audio intelligence, really important yeah. because sound and acoustics management actually changes the quality of how people interact. Video intelligence, really important in the way that you go out and do this with uh, in a collaboration so that you can have, if there's seven people in a room, can I create seven individual video streams for them so that I can now see everyone in a close-up view. That actually makes a big difference in me feeling connected with them if I'm not in the same place as everyone else. Any kind of analytics is going to be really important. And then when you start thinking about generative AI, any use cases around summarization, like we just announced uh, meeting summarization. What did I miss? Catch me up. Boy, that's that's amazing. Huge if I jump. miss a meeting and I can just make sure that it can catch me up rather than me having to listen to a 45-minute recording, that's fantastic. Can I set a policy in my firewall by just asking it to do something and going back and forth a few times? That's a you know, step function improvement from where we used to be. Can I make sure that if there's an attack that's occurring, that someone is notifying me and that, that, um, that bot can actually engage with me in a dialogue so that I actually have... The biggest thing that people have underestimated about AI is not the fact that it can actually aggregate human corpus of knowledge. It's that it's going to come up with brand new insights that did not ex exist in the human corpus of knowledge and be able to do something about it. So curing cancer might have been something that is now possible because yeah. there might be new insights that come out on how to cure cancer that humans hadn't thought about. That's mind-bending. Yeah. It is. You know, and the fact that we can all participate in work in this era is, is such a privilege and such a good fortune. And I think everyone who is early in career, you should... I wish I had another 30 years um, where I could actually, you know, I could take back 30 and be 24 years old. I'm just going to have to live longer so we can keep going. This is fun. Isn't it fun? You got another 30 years. Don't worry about it. I got another 30. You got it for yeah. sure. You're like an, but I'm old, though. You're like an I'm energizer really bunny. Like, you're going to be fine. You'll be just fine. I, look, we're, there's, a, there's a few places where, where we, on the networking side, first of all, we provide a lot of infrastructure for those extremely large language models that, that some of these hyperscalers are, are building out. Um, we have offered on how to go and enable smaller enterprises to go and build out their own AI infrastructure. That was one of the things that we announced this week. We see that there's internal benefits at Cisco. So simple things like how do we enable our documentation people to be more effective, to be more clear, be able to go and do that. And then we talked about, Gigi talked about how do we improve our products and our product experience. Last year, in fact, we announced the ability to have network insights. So we're going to give you look at how you can predict what's going to happen in the network and then make changes before those things actually yeah. happen. That in itself is powerful. And then for our own software developers, it's a, it's a force multiplier. So some of the teams I've talked to outside the company, they see that 70% of their code being generated is being generated through this, this augmentation. Um, we're not quite there yet, um, but you know it's, it's about velocity. And if we, can, if we can increase velocity, we can create even more simple experiences, even faster for our customers and our users. And that's really exciting. I think on the first draft for everything in life might actually be something, we, we might never have to start from a blank sheet of paper if you know the right question to ask. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. 
I was going to ask you, I mean, it sounds like, the, like, like an abstraction now, rather than like being right on, like working in binary, we abstracted from all those details and we're letting the machines do all the mundane stuff, right? That used to be the case that you said machines do the mundane stuff and humans do uh, the stuff that required judgment. I think that's going to change, where machines will also provide judgment and humans will also provide judgment. And I actually believe that if you take the optimistic point of view, the combination of both those judgments will create a much more potent judgment than what any of them could have come up with by themselves. And in the pessimistic point of view, public-private partnerships are going to be really important for policy setting because this could have a pretty catastrophic downstream effect. So responsible AI, having an attention to bias, making sure that transparency and fairness are thought about, having the right kind of policy in place, those are going to be non-trivial things that I don't think we as a society have figured out yet that we need to. So we're out of time, unfortunately, but. But last thing, there's still a future for young people in tech, right? Yes, 100%. amazing. That's the only place you should be. <laughs> I like that. Thanks both. Really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing.